0: Benjamin's baby. Uh huh. Yeah. It's all about the Benjamins, baby. Well, not quite. I'll be talking about more than just the Benjamins. Welcome to Fintech Beat, where finance, technology, and policy come together. I'm your host, Chris Brummer, and the future of finance is now. the honor of spending last week at the Singapore Management University as the Jones Day Professor of Commercial Law, shout out to my gracious host, where I had the great fortune of meeting some of the most influential people in the region when it comes to financial technology. Now, one of the highlights was getting to know Mr. Chi Kin Lam, who is both the Managing Director and Head of Legal and Compliance for DBS, the largest bank in Southeast Asia and one of the first to have made a foray into blockchain technologies and the metaverse. Now, what's really interesting about DBS is that it's not only been engaged feet first in innovation, but it's also been recognized for over a decade as one of the safest banks in Asia by the New York based publication Global Finance. So, as we in the States are debating cryptocurrency, the applicability of banking law, and tumbling markets, I thought it'd be fun to help put our wrangling into a global context and get some perspective from one of the most pivotal personalities on the other side of the Pacific.
1: All eyes on me. Chiken, thanks so much for joining the show. Anytime, man. It's a pleasure, pleasure, pleasure. Thank you.
0: Well, you know, there is a lot of turbulence in crypto markets around the world and not just in the United States, but but obviously uh, also in Asia. And, you know, I was just really curious, you know, just to get things started from a 10,000 foot level. I mean, you are a compliance officer and managing director i mean like what's
1: what's been your reaction
0: and you know what do you think your peers around the region are thinking right now especially uh, about cryptocurrencies
1: yeah 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 thanks thanks so much chris i'm gonna take a a massive step back and uh maybe make a perhaps over general assertion but we can debate this Uh, i don't think we have the option to ignore uh, the asset class or the ecosystem Uh, So uh, I have many colleagues whom I respect uh, deeply, uh, who have also taken decisions not to onboard crypto clients. But I think that's only one part of the equation. I think that uh, the industry and the interconnectedness of the industry with uh, your own client base, right? How many of your retail clients are actually trading uh, crypto. Uh, The numbers have come off, uh, but I think it's a real uh, segment. So I don't think we have a choice uh, but to engage, uh, to understand the technology more, to know how it's risk managed, uh, to be aware of developments in the system, but also how we can take advantage of the technology for our own purposes. I'm sure we're going to unpack this a little bit more, but I just wanted to start off with that basic proposition. I don't think we have an option. I think we have to engage.
0: Yeah, you know that is a, a really interesting sort of you know uh, entering uh, salvo. I mean, like here in, in in the United States, I think that the reaction, particularly from the banking. Community yeah. is is kind of mixed. Um, certainly, from my time in Singapore and just sort of talking with the community, the regulatory, the academic, um, and the industry communities there, you know, it it sounds just a little bit different, certainly, yeah. um, than 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 in the United States. Have you gotten a sense of that? Um, you know, DBS. It's you know, it is a bank. And it's one of the largest banks in in, in the region. But yeah. you know, as I think you can already hear just from your answer, it's also one that's really active in blockchain and emerging technologies. And you know, there's this big debate about how integrated banks yeah. should be with crypto.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and perhaps the the the. Key distinction that you're making there also is the difference between blockchain as the technology, as the potential infrastructure powering the back office of the future. We've heard that a lot, right? So that's that thematic override that you've got to keep an eye on. Uh, And then you've got the best currently use case of blockchain technology, which is uh, crypto, right? So I think as we explore what that blockchain technology could be used for in future, unlocking digital assets, infrastructure, ownership and transfer of digital assets. Well, one of the ways you continue to be engaged is crypto. Like it or not, so much of the customer base is engaged in crypto that even if you say as a bank, you're not going to do crypto, but your customers are, right? And risk managing that, uh, I think is still uh, something that is incumbent on us. So that's why I'm, I guess I'm, I'm starting off with this generalization that I don't think we've got a choice. We've got to engage, we've got to understand the technology, we've got to understand the risk management.
0: I think it may be useful just to sort of frame uh, or, or to provide for us, like, what's your sense? You know, when you say that's given so much of your client base is is is, is still in crypto, you know, I, I think that um, on the one hand here in the States, and I saw some some data that had come out that said up to 16% of all Americans at one point had been engaged in cryptocurrency. And that's a little bit higher than I I think I, I would have guessed, but, you know, that's, that's not necessarily a, a critical uh, number. I suppose you know it's not like over half of all americans are are necessarily in the space when you look at singapore and you know southeast asia what does that participation look like i mean you know when you're at a bank and you're thinking both you know from your business standpoint and your business hat but also your your legal compliance hat i mean how active has that been and 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 how active is that now uh, given, you know, the fear, you know, both in with regards to the asset classes, whether or not you're making money off of it, if you're an investor, or if you're just holding it for value's sake, that it could decline.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay, so there's the, there's the long-only investors and then there's the speculative investors. Uh, I actually haven't run the data uh, uh, recently, but uh, I think we've been reasonably public that we do track uh, outflows from our uh, retail accounts. Uh, that means each of our retail customers who are basically sending money to uh, other crypto platforms. And you can tell because the beneficiary account is one that we can associate with one of the crypto platforms. And I would comfortably say that actually the numbers are big right I am I, deliberately trying to be a bit careful here because um, you know uh, big enough for me to care uh, uh, and and watch over and watch over this uh, quite carefully uh, now DBS is about uh, how you say it, about 7 million customers something like that and so we're talking about uh, hundreds of thousands of, of people uh, doing this so I guess you're kind of right. I don't think it's um, critical mass. I don't think it's a majority of the population, but it's certainly a large enough segment and a large enough uh, 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 volume uh, for me, uh, certainly from a compliance perspective, uh, to care. And then for me as a person who is also trying to hopefully uh, make sure that the asset class is governed correctly, uh, for me to care.
0: Then putting on on, on your lawyer hat and your uh, compliance hat, I mean, I guess I'll break it up into sort of two sort of buckets. I mean, you know, what what does what are you getting a sense of, you know, when when one thinks about now what risk management for a bank would would mean? And and you know, when you're talking to, you know, our friends over at the Monetary Authority of Singapore, you know, who are in in charge of, you know, supervising both capital markets and banks, are you getting a sense as to what they may be thinking about the sector and what their possible policy response might might look like
1: okay so let me be as fair as possible here i i really think we've been on a journey and i think that's probably the best way to characterize this i think in the early days uh it was very easy to get to a conclusion it's non-systemic and therefore uh the the tension between governance, risk management, regulation, and innovation. Uh, that tension was resolved in favor of innovation. So let the innovation run, uh, especially with the theoretical possibilities of what blockchain technology could uh, could involve. Okay. So when we, when we looked at the early days of this, mm-hmm. I think the priority uh, was to allow innovation to happen. Uh, it was always very well understood that the underlying intrinsic value was a bit of a question mark, and the volatility was very significant. And I think that has been the guiding principle uh, behind at least Singapore's uh, attitude to regulation. Right. So then you you end up in this phase of the journey, uh, where the tagline becomes uh, "No to cryptocurrency speculation, but yes." to digital asset ecosystem, right? Trying to make a distinction between the promise of the infrastructure and actually the downsides that you get from incredible volatility and speculation. Now, so far, so good, right? Fast forward, To around uh, this time when you actually get consumer losses uh, in volatile asset classes, and many of these platforms not even operating or being regulated in Singapore. Uh, I think legitimate questions are being uh, added to the mix around consumer protection and a growing priority, even though these platforms are not uh, regulated, of saying, well, how do we add consumer protection to the equation? Uh, But let me try to bring us completely up to date, right? So we've got this markets volatility uh, aspect to the debate. We've got the consumer protection aspect to this. But I think we're fast discovering uh, that there's a lot of very basic corporate governance and bog standard i'd say bog standard risk management uh, that perhaps we also need to bring into the sector basic disciplines like you know checks and balances on individual authority uh, transparency uh, institutionalized uh, structures like an independent risk management committee an independent audit committee uh, liquidity risk management market risk management again i can go on and on and on about this but i think this part of the conversation has been significantly amplified in my sense in the past uh, two months or so when you had
0: talked about sort of distinguishing sort of, let's, let's, for lack of a better word, the, 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 the speculative investment part from the technology stack, right? Like looking at the technology and then yeah. the speculative part, you know, th- that is, that is really noteworthy because doing that requires a certain degree of expertise and it requires a certain degree of sort of nuance and, and understanding and frankly, just a willingness to invest time. I mean, like, that like, like nuance. While a feature of financial regulation, you know, it, it, it does require resources. And again, you know, really kicking the tires. Um, you know, when when you look around uh, the world, are there any any jurisdictions, any countries that you think have better or more
1: comprehensive
0: strategies uh, for yeah. crypto?
1: I've got a tagline to try and you there. You've got to have the will. To get into this and then after that you've got to develop the skill <laughs> to to yeah. uh, understand and uh, handle this correctly right so okay uh, so so let me kind of i like, say we've we've looked at a lot uh, clearly some jurisdictions uh china for example have decided to say nope we're gonna we're gonna ban uh this activity um and so i can't i guess you've got that type of regulatory approach at one end of the spectrum, right? Then you've got uh, other approaches. I've talked a little bit about Singapore's approach. You've got uh, the US where we are watching developments on the Biden executive order quite carefully. We're watching what the SEC is doing with uh, uh, some of the litigation enforcement that's happening there. Um, And then we've got Europe. Europe has got uh, MECA, which which will probably be legislated next year. Uh, And then I think if I gather all those approaches and I kind of run through that list of things that I ran through, right? So market integrity, the characteristics, the volatility, making sure that the exchange trading is, uh, is appropriate, uh, customer protection, uh, box standard corporate governance and risk management, that kind of stuff. Honestly, I'd say right now, Mika has probably got, uh, at least in terms of the subject matters that they've listed out, yeah, I think Mika's probably got it uh, 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 probably most comprehensively thought through.
0: As someone who's who's obviously really senior at a really sort of uh, important uh, uh, bank, uh, you know, how much does that actually matter to you? Like, in other words, you know, when you're doing your job, yeah. how important is it, you know, that you sort of say, well, one jurisdiction, you know, we'll will take Mika here, you know, sort of has something, you know, the other jurisdiction has a large market, and you know, is still sort of developing. Uh, their approach. And then you have another jurisdiction that's, that's, you know, relatively in the neighborhood who's just decided th- they're, they're not going to get involved a- a- at all. And, th- and that being China, you know, like, like, like how much does that inform the regulatory model that you kind of incorporate in, in-house? I mean, uh, uh, DBS, you know, you guys have at, at a minimum offices every, every, everywhere, everywhere, maybe not um, subsidiaries. How, how does that impact your your strategy?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so so Chris, this is not an unusual problem. So it's not a problem that's unique to crypto. We see it all the time. We see it on uh, data transfer. Uh, we see it on permitted business in respective jurisdictions. We see it on uh, we see it on systems, globalized uh, systems, infrastructure. So this type of problem is not an unusual uh, problem, or this type of characteristic of regulation, uh, geographic variance is not an unusual problem so uh chris honestly the answer is uh, a bit boring (laughs) but but number one always always comply with the law of the land in which you are uh, being hosted uh that's non-negotiable and so if the law says no then the answer is no if the law says yes then the answer is yes always always do that now within that however uh you then have the responsibility of running a globalized uh uh, business, uh, and you try as far as possible to uh, homogenize frameworks so that uh, the employee base, the systems, infrastructure, the customers uh, kind of like have a reasonable uh, commonality of, of which to operate. And there, I think the eighty twenty 20 rule uh, uh, works quite well. So 80% of the time, uh, you can go in uh, uh, a certain consistent framework, and then you have to make variances about 20% of the time, uh, depending. Now the truth is I think applying that to crypto we are probably most familiar with the Singapore market. So we've chosen actually not to intentionally expand into other markets for now uh, because of that geographical variance uh, that you have looked at, right? So because of that overlay about having to comply with the law of the land in every jurisdiction, uh, right now for crypto, that's going to be quite challenging from a business perspective, at least for a regulated financial institutions. So, so we're currently a Singapore-based uh, business in terms of everything that we do for crypto.
0: You, you know, one of the things that just struck me—I mean, from that week in in Singapore—was that the the tone and the perspective was, I think, you know, for an American, pretty different. You know, um, and 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 we had talked a little bit about that. I mean, obviously, we have a a certain kind of a regulatory uh, culture here, but also just you know, from Terra Luna, FTX, yeah. you know, the, the the prospect of other kinds of market di- uh, sort of disturbance. Yeah. Um, you know, we're we're, you know, pretty wigged out here, you know, and 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 there was, I think, more equanimity. If I, I'll, I'll just use that word. I, 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 it's hard to 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 describe, but it 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 was markedly different, you know. Um, could you just sort of, yeah. sort of talk a little bit about like. You know what? What exactly the, the 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 you know the perspective is about crypto, particularly now with all the volatility and you know people are worried about counterparties and counterparty risk. You know, like like. But what animates or or how would you describe you know the 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 posture that people have towards the space right now in Singapore?
1: So I wouldn't characterize the tone as one of equanimity. I, I actually think that's more a function of perhaps cultural difference. I, I, so, so I don't think you see in uh, in Singapore certainly, in other parts of Asia maybe you do, but you don't really see big big animated arguments and you know yelling at yep. each other across the aisle and that kind of stuff. You don't really see that right? So so the, the temperature, <laughs> okay there you go, <laughs> so, <laughs> no, it's true.
0: It's it's true. Right. You know, you know, you know, we, you know, we, we, we have a pretty heated argument. I mean, I mean, uh, and it's not just political. I mean, even between, uh, you know, agencies and, and different parts of, 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 government.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, but I wouldn't take, in a sense, the lack of external temperature or emotion to represent a, a lack of concern or equanimity. So I think I'd be quite careful to dial that down a little bit and to say eh, I think there's a lot of work going on. I think there are very appropriate debates, it's just that it's not our style to yell at each other. I think I think we can make our points very well, we can make our points uh, in private as appropriate and actually very often uh, the private conversations are more constructive uh, than the public discourse. Um, having said that, actually in this area though, I I think it is important for at some point in time uh, leadership to step up and to have that public discourse because I do think it's important to signal to the population uh, this is the way uh, we intend to go uh, we've got to go through this period right now of coming up with uh, so what do we do about the overall narrative and then after that uh, we can we can lead a, a
0: you know, I'm gonna just take sort of take this opportunity because it's almost like an oldie but goodie now. But like people are like metaverse, what's that? You know, the, the fact that you guys, you know, as a as a kind of change in tone, you know that 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 they're still, you know, for, as a bank, you know that that DBS is 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 really looking at that technology stack, right? Of of, of a yeah. blockchain based sort of applied technology stack, and you guys are still really, you know, kicking the tires and thinking about things like the metaverse, which which. In the United States, I think, after Facebook's sort of foray into it, it's 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 just not talked about as much. Maybe you can like just give us a, a quick sort of spin as to like what your thoughts are towards the metaverse. Um and, and is this something you you know you guys are still likely to explore?
1: Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Okay, thank thanks so much for uh teeing up that subject. Maybe let me start with what I consider to be a very important definitional distinction, right? So there's blockchain, there's crypto, there's Web3, and then there's metaverse, okay? So I think it's quite important to describe these as two overlapping sets, uh, and always making sure that we are not conflating the two, uh, nor are we saying that the two are completely separate and distinct from each other, right? Uh, and let me kind of uh, introduce this definitional distinction by building on what we see are the business models out there. So one business model obviously is the extension of the social media business model into virtual uh, reality, into using virtual technology hardware uh, to deliver a social media experience uh, in, in that type of alternate universe really, okay? You've also got the world of games, uh, which are experiences, humanity playing in an alternate reality, uh, and I did see this right uh, before before Disney changed CEO recently. I did see comments from the former CEO of Disney, uh, uh, emphasizing that the metaverse is the perfect place for next generation storytelling. Okay, so I really want to kind of like perhaps define the metaverse as this alternate reality experience, which may for the purposes of what it needs to deliver, use Web3 technology, right? Because what Web3 technology will then enable is ownership and transfer of digital assets in the metaverse. Financial services can then come in and kind of facilitate the ownership and transfer, perhaps by lending, by trading, by risk management and so on and so forth. Okay, so so I think that distinction is really, really important to make. But equally validly, there are a lot of games who currently have centralized uh not ownership and transfer of digital assets within their game environments which are not denominated in web3 okay so this is the definitional distinction that i really want to make it clear so what's dbs doing in this um our approach basically since 2014 or so has been to look at digital transformation and to look at the big technology trends that are out there simple illustration of this cloud technology question how can financial services uh, use cloud technology. Artificial intelligence, simple. How can financial services use artificial intelligence? Uh, uh, trust is a major, major theme. How can we develop, even as technology develop, uh, develops further, a position on responsible use of data, on how we maintain trust in a trans- and digitally transforming world, and so on. Okay, So two of the big themes that we spotted were blockchain, and metaverse Uh, then you do maturity analysis and that kind of stuff and the answer on blockchain was actually it's hitting an inflection point on maturity where we should start to play this Uh, metaverse it probably for for a reason that i'm going to come on to uh, probably hasn't hit that maturity inflection point yet so uh, build muscles Uh, understand it Uh, have the will to grasp what we're talking about here and start developing the skills that you'll need for the businesses uh, that you'll be uh, developing later. But one of the reasons why we say it's probably going to be a bit slower than expected is that right now the technology is not fully democratized. And by that I mean uh, delivered to your average customer at a price point of, let's say, $500 or $400. Right now, these rigs are expensive, the hardware is expensive, the bandwidth is expensive, uh, not accessible to 8 billion customers in the world so far. Okay, so I hope that sets out, in a sense, both that definitional distinction, which I think is important, and also how DBS is looking at the metaverse.
0: Yeah, you know, I do have to say, you know, it is so unusual uh, and interesting, you know, to see, A legal and compliance guy for a major, you know, uh, bank with sort of an eye out as to, to, you know, the the business side of things and, you know, what's interesting from a technology standpoint. um, You know, as, as we sort of wrap up this conversation, I mean, like, how common is that right i mean for the the analogy in the in the united states uh there was you know a very famous basketball there you know, there is a very famous basketball player who played um magic johnson who could like sort of right. play lots right. of different positions and no, no. <laughs> exactly exactly for the the behind the back pass you know and you know that's that's not necessarily sort of the way that we are, are 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 trained for, for, for better and, and, and worse here in the states. I mean, like, how, how common is that? Uh, do you, do you think in, in Singapore or are you sort of an outlier?
1: What a what a what a great great question. Okay, so I think I think the truth is, uh, uh, DBS probably is a bit of an outlier. Uh, because I think we care so much about digital transformation, the tech stack. Uh, Now we're starting to care a lot about sustainability, so we're a bit of an outlier bank. Uh, But I think our common profession, Chris, I argue that the study and the practice of the law is rooted in this basic insane intellectual curiosity about any new thing that we come across and being able to adapt Horizontally, uh, uh, ideas, jurisprudence, precedents, or concepts that we have seen in other contexts uh, into uh, this new thing that we've got. Okay, so you talk about contract in common law jurisdictions, you talk about equity, equity balancing out some of the excesses of or uh, the misapplications of contract law, all this kind of stuff. Actually, I think as a profession, we're really good at this. <laughs> we're really good at connecting the dots and coming up with, in a sense, a, a either a construct from the past uh, that can be applied to a new thing, or to realize that the new thing needs a new system of law, and then to say, you know what, here are the gaps, here are the lacuna, here's the place for legislation. I think, I think the profession is quite good at that. So I'd actually argue that a lot of my friends uh, that I'm close to uh, have a similar, I don't think you're that different, have a similar insane intellectual curiosity about stuff that happens around us, and we try to say, what does the law need to do To uh, support this uh, properly yeah my only desire is that we just do it faster we we don't let the technology and the business make the mistakes that the law can can work hand in hand with coming up with a proper use of technology and a responsible business uh in in applying the technology yeah so i bring you soapbox over but yeah
0: (laughs) you you you've, you've actually summarized honestly one of the reasons why i became a law professor Chicken, yeah, thank you so, so, so very much for taking the time to uh, to, to, to join the show. We're going to have to do this again, but um, I, I really appreciate it, my friend.
1: Yeah, Chris, it's an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Very grateful.
0: As jurisdictions around the world grapple with not only the fallout of the collapsing crypto markets, but also the appropriate path when it comes to regulation, it is clear that there may be some divergence of opinion and problem solving. In the United States, we have our own special way of solving problems, one that both in tone, one-upmanship and divisiveness can be a bit of an outlier from the rest of the world, which I think has both upsides and down. On the one hand, it helps to ensure that our ideas are truly fleshed out and debated. But on the downside, few of our ideas ever make it into implementation, and that itself can create its own systemic risk and provide all the cover for incriminations and conspiracy theories when things go bad. In the end, it's my honest opinion that no one has a monopoly on good ideas or bad ideas, and any attempts to think so is pure hubris. So, as Chi-Kin points out, the question will be just what industry and regulators can do to together create a process for problem-solving and problem-preventing, one that gets us ahead of our problems and doesn't keep us two or three steps behind. How effectively they do so could well impact the future of the industry and financial markets. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we'd love to get your feedback. If you'd like to get in touch, just hit me up at Chris Brummer, D-R. That's at C-H-R-I-S-B-R-U-M-M-E-R-D-R. We'd love to hear from you.